Welcome to the Giving Town Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Roberts, and my goal is to share stories of hope and generosity in our wonderful community of Newburgh. Today, I'm interviewing Brian Love, owner of Crohn's Appliance Service and also the owner of the title Diaper King because of his family's annual diaper drive for a family place. Brian is a well-known role model in this town, and today we get to see a deeper look into who Brian is and why he has such a heart for this town. This podcast is sponsored by my real estate team, the Joyful Roberts Group. We're licensed brokers with Premier Property Group here in town. It really is a joy to serve this community. So if you know someone thinking of making a move, reach out to me and I'd be happy to help in any way that I can. And with that, let's jump into my conversation with Brian. Well, thank you, Brian, for coming and doing this interview. I'm excited to talk with you today. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. So you're a name most people, if they're paying attention, are familiar with in Newburgh. Um, many people have heard about your involvement with Family Place and some other things like the old fashion festival and the fireworks and things like that, which we'll, we'll get to. Uh, but I'm what I'm wanting to do today is to get to know who is Brian Love, kind of what, what makes you tick, some of the things that are on your heart, uh, especially recently, and and just help maybe inspire some people to be you know, I know you don't like putting yourself on a pedestal or saying, look at You're me, right. which is why I'm interviewing you because yeah. that's not who you are. But there's a lot of things about you that I think we can learn from and be inspired from. So I, I first of all, I guess basic question, what was it like growing up in the Love family? Um, it was it was great. My, my, my dad passed away when I was 18, so I had a really early wake-up call to um, adulthood. Um, but, uh, um, there's, there's one thing I did learn from my father and I, I share that to everybody is, you know, he left a very, very good paying teamster job to come and deliver heating oil in Newburgh because his teamster job took him away from family and, and things that were going on at home. And he didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to watch his kids grow up. So it, it's just a, it's, it's always resonated to me that money isn't always the most important part. Yeah. And what, was he a pretty major influence in your life? He was. Uh, he was a volunteer fireman as well, and uh, as was my uncle. Um, and uh, just always was willing to help people. And, you know, whether it was one of his fireman friends or one of his old truck driving friends. I mean, we were just always, you know, trying to do things. And, and I, I think I learned a lot from that, that, uh, that gets me to where I'm at. Yeah. Was your uncle a pretty big influence in your life as well? My uncle was a large influence and, um, his name is Al Blodgett. And if anybody has been around Newburgh very long, they know Al Blodgett. Um, he was very involved in, just about every facet of community activity, I think, in Newburgh at some point or another in his life. He recently has passed away, but uh, um, I probably got, because of his involvement, I followed him, um, especially after my father had passed, because he still had the thing. But uh, it, I don't know, it's just, it's just hard to explain. But when you're around someone and you see the activities that they're involved, it's like, yeah, I could do that. That's something yeah. I could do, you know, it doesn't really cost money in <laughs> a lot of ways. And that's, that's where it goes. But, you know, I, I can't get involved in everything. And I've had other org- organizations ask me to get involved, you know, and I can't always do it 
because I believe you only have so much time to give. And if you don't, if you, you, you can overcommit and not really do anybody justice. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I chose to try to pick and choose what I do. So when I do it, I'm doing it with a hundred percent. Well, that, from what I understand, that seems to be the way to do it. And you seem to be effective at what you do. So I guess it's more important to be effective at what you do than it's time ineffective at everything else. <laughs> exactly. But so many people know you also as the owner of Crohn's appliances, but that's not how you got started. Is it? No, not really. Um, again, my dad had passed away and um, several years later, my mom remarried uh, and it was Carl, the owner. And two weeks after they got married, I was delivering appliances for, for them as an extra job um, just to make some extra money at the time. And uh, things go down the road and end up having an opportunity to come on full time and learned the trade and worked until my stepfather opted to retire out. And at that point, which was 2001, um, I took the business, you know, the service part of it at that point over and was working out of my garage and have been able to build it back. Back then, Home Depots and Lowe's were hitting, hitting the territory pretty heavy and it mm-hmm. was really hard to compete, but it's not even a blink in my eye now because the service is, we offer more for service than they ever will. But uh, yeah. um, it's just, it's, it's, it's good to be involved in your community working and you go into the store and people know you. And, you know, I've recently gotten busy enough that I've, I've actually have three, I have three great service technicians. I have nine employees total and they're all family members as far as I'm concerned, but, uh, I have to be in the office a little bit more, but managing it and I get the calls, you know, it's like, what, you're not coming out. It's like, are you retiring? Well, not really. I'm just trying to manage. So my business yeah. stays at a level that is acceptable. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned the, the bigger names like Lowe's and Home Depot, which is what many people think about with appliances. So what do you think has helped you be successful in a community like this when, like you said, that they're trying to hit the territory hard? Um, well, as far as those two, uh, uh, retail is the only thing that they would come up against. And, um, I would have to say, um, it, it was still a challenge back then, but the service side is what bolsters my sales. I mean, it, you go out, you do the best you can for your customers and then you hope, you know, that if they, we can't fix their appliance or something, that they'll shop locally. But I'm not afraid to tell them where else to go look because the, you know, for everybody that the best, you know, mighty dollars as a value, no matter where. But, uh, I just think in general, you know, our service, the, my, the staff and, uh, you know, and for me personally, I saw the, the overwhelming need to be involved. Um, with the community and to me that's cheap advertising in a sense I, I don't mean it that way but it uh you know being involved in your community or the festival and and all these things it just keeps getting your name out there and people go oh hey i know him or i know that mm-hmm. and that's all you can ask for but i enjoy it so yeah was that something you feel like you always had you always gravitated to as being involved in the community from example like of your uncle and or do you feel like that's something you learned later no i think i think it came i think it came early on um i mean i just remember i don't know i guess a great example is 
uh, back when I was in junior high, and my dad and my uncle were already in the fire department. I grew up a fireman child, you know, and and uh, two of my good friends, we were both in, in junior high together, and the fire department was raising money to, to get a new rescue truck. And we put together a... Uh, this is back when the CB days were out. So we're on the CB radio saying, hey, we're going this garage sale. And we had stuff coming from all over. Our garages were full. And uh, and we raised enough money over spring break of our, I don't know, seventh grade year, whatever it was, to actually at that time paint the new rescue truck. Wow. You know, so it, it started a long time yeah. ago in little ways or whatever. But, you know, it's evolved because... I mean, especially getting involved, at least for me, with the fire department when I did, you know, that is volunteer. And you get involved in so many other things when you're involved in the fire department. You know, you're helping these other, you know, the chamber or all these events and everything. Mm-hmm. So it sort of gives you an opportunity to see what it's like without being involved. And you can sort of see what else you might want to do. Yeah. When you did that, what, what do you feel like that did as a seventh grader? being able to do that and accomplish that? I think the biggest thing for me was just realizing that anybody can do whatever they want. You just got to mm-hmm. be able to figure out how to do it. And it's not always easy in our case. I mean, everybody has a room full of junk they want to get rid of. And <laughs> one person's junk is someone else's treasure. But um, the reward to say we made enough money to paint that rescue truck, which was the rescue truck for many years after that. I mean, I actually spent, you know, time working on it as well before it, uh, before it got retired. So, I mean, it's just, it, it was just so much learning as to what one person can do or a couple of people can do. Yeah. What are some things that, uh, some of the main lessons you feel like being in business, starting from where you started to where you are now, what are some of the mo- main I guess, most important lessons you feel like you've learned? I think the biggest one is, and again, it just goes back, you got to give back to your community. I mean, engaging your community. Um, not everybody, you know, is, can do it. And, and I like helping people. I mean, there's just a reward in it. It doesn't matter whether well, there's, there's people that I do things for, um, a good example, I guess, is there's one young lady here in town that um, my uncle knew for a long time, and uh, and she struggles. And every once in a while, she needs an appliance, and I just make sure one ends up there. You know, and it's it almost making my eyes water just thinking about it. And but it's those things. It's it's those things that you know. But I can do it. I have what it takes to do yeah. that. It's not a lot of effort. Yeah, some people are content to once they go through the business, they see some level of success to just kind of kick back, take it easy, maybe do some rounds of golf vacations. Um, but for you, it seems like there's something really special about being able to help someone. And that does something for you to the point of some pretty deep emotions. So (laughs) what do you think about that? What do you think makes you realize, Hey, this is something that is fulfilling to you. Whereas other people maybe don't see that with, you know, I, I don't know. I, I when I, especially when you talk about emotions, I am, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I think is the phrase people use, and and it's just because, you know, you to see, to see someone 
enjoying something and know that you had a piece of that, that's a good feeling. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm also a director with the St. Paul Rodeo and, and somebody, uh, one time I made a comment about, uh, oh, this is my paycheck or something. And they go, what? You get paid for being a director at the St. Paul Rodeo? And I said, yeah, I do. I, I said on a, on a sellout crowd when there's 10,000 people in the stands watching the rodeo, I can look over the gate and I see 10,000 memories being made mm. at one time. And I say the same thing for the old fashioned festival. You know, one thing my wife and I do um, with a bunch of great volunteers as well, but the parade has been a passion. And you go at the end of the parade and everybody, you know, it's the end of the parade and we're just sort of going through. And here's all these people that had just made memories of this parade. And we had a little bit to do with it. And it's just, I don't know, there's just something that makes you feel good. Yeah. I think that's in, important in recognizing some of what those good feelings are. And I think everyone kind of knows maybe that that's a thing, but yet we still find ourselves chasing money more often than, yep. than the feelings from helping people. So I think that's something to, a good thing to realize. Another thing that people know you for is uh, family place. I know your granddaughter also got on yep. some, some news yep. recently about that, but how did that, how did that get started? What's the story there? So the backstory there is, is again, it resonates back to my involvement with the St. Paul rodeo. And, uh, we were approached, uh, by Ann Dolan, who was, a, used to be a chamber director or, um, ran the chamber years ago, but she's very involved in the community. And, and her late husband was a uh, member of the rodeo for years and actually was on the rodeo board as well, but approached us to, sponsor a family place and so they have a luncheon and we we decided to sponsor and some of us got to go to this luncheon and uh at that luncheon there was a family that uh came uh not the whole family but i think it was if i remember correctly it was the mother and and maybe one other family member was there but the story was told that there was a point where they'd have to make a decision and, and they're kids would go like all day with one diaper because they didn't have the money to buy more. And so they had to choose, you know, between food or diapers and stuff like that. And, and I left that luncheon and came back and told my daughter, Laura, who runs my office, co-runs my office. And, uh, I said, we need to do a diaper drive. And that's where it all began. And, and, you know, shared with her what, what I just experienced. And, you know, we, she has kids and she knows the struggles and she just embraced it and has helped to carry the torch as all of my employees have since we've done it. They all feel it. It's, it's when you hear that backstory, I mean, you can see people walking down the street or driving down the road and you don't know their backstory, but as soon as you hear a backstory, and if it's, if it's enough, it gets you and you want to do something about it and you do. And that's what we chose to do. And it's been very successful and yeah. very pleased with where it's going. My granddaughter, uh, has played a part by donating instead of toys for her birthday, she wants diapers. And there's several little things that have happened with her that have just make me very proud of her. But, uh, at the end of the day, every diaper makes a difference and it, it truly does make a difference. Yeah. So. What does that do for you as a, a grandpa to see your granddaughter 
taking that charge. It brings you right back to the whole emotional <laughs> part of me. Um, you know, even with my daughter and, and just, you know, they didn't, I didn't ask them. I mean, I didn't really say you have to do this. They do it on their own. They feel it. I just proud that what I have, what drives me, uh, is with them as well in their own way. You know, it's, they don't have to be involved in five different things, but if they engage in, you know, commit to doing one and it, it makes a big difference. And, and I don't know, it's just, it's just a great feeling to be able to, to say that, you know, my daughter, my granddaughter, and for that matter, even my mother got involved after mm-hmm. that at the family place where she goes down and, um, COVID sort of, um, changed that a little bit, but it's still, still there, but she would go help package these diapers for these families that mm-hmm. get them. So it's, it's, you know, four generations just because yeah. I went to a luncheon and heard about a yeah. child that had to be in a diaper all day. Well, that's something I appreciate about you is you, you don't blow a trumpet in front of you, you just do it and people see it and they, and I think that's leadership of just doing people follow because they see what it means to you and they realize it begins to mean something to themselves. And, and that's what I think is important about, about you. And there's many people like you in our community who are, yes, there is. are doing things like this, which is why I'm wanting to get these stories out because we, we have a lot to learn of focusing on well, what does it mean to just do? Not, not focusing on all the junk that's going on, but just find something you're passionate about and make the difference you can make. And in a family place, I got a three-year-old and a one-year-old that brings tears to my eyes thinking of, you know, some of those families, what they have to go through. And yep. I, my last conversation with Emily from there, um, we just released that podcast a little bit ago. And um, yeah, it's <laughs> a worthy cause for sure. Um, you know, the sad part is that's just one thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's people that can't afford food and, you know, yeah. keeping politics out of it. Um, there's still, there's still a need. Um, and, Mm-hmm. Especially if it includes kids. Kids don't have a choice. Yeah. They get whatever's delivered to them at the time they're doing it. And it's just, it's, it tugs your heartstring really, really, really bad. Yeah. Yeah. But you're doing what you can. And that's absolutely doing what I can. And something we had talked about a while back when you'd shared, um, when you guys hosted the Chamber of Commerce uh, greeters meeting. You mentioned this phrase, changing the narrative, and I want to explore that a little bit of what does that, what does that phrase mean to you? Well, that come from? I, I, it's sort of interesting because I, I, uh, you know, like I mentioned, my, my employees are, are not, they're, they're family to me. When I hire them, I tell them I'm not hiring employee, I'm hiring family. And so I, I try to be involved with them wherever I can to help them through whatever they're going through. And, uh, just had one, one that was, um, just, I could just tell he was having a rough day or so. And, and, uh, so I, um, I was talking to my wife, Missy about it, um, like a day before. And, you know, I just, wow, I really just, you know, I want to, I want to be there for him, you know? And, and sometimes, you know, people get caught well, this is how it was. This is how it is for me. And, uh, this young man, he's a, you know, I, I just see so much potential and I see him in all of them, but she goes, change the narrative. 
And that changed the narrative just lit up in my head because it's really, is it the cure-all for everything? No, but if people can just change the narrative on how they hear something or how they say something or it's just the beginning to making some kind of change to come up with some kind of resolve for whatever situation you're in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, don't, I can't explain it any better now, I don't think, but it, it's just, it's a very quick phrase that really means a lot. Yeah. Can you give an example of, of that? Maybe something that maybe there's many examples, but can you think of one where that really sticks out of where, uh, maybe as a community, there's a narrative that needs to be changed. Well, I mean, it's it's hard to say it that way because okay. I mean, every situation has its own sure. thing. But um, you know, we've we've come off of some very struggling times here in Newburgh, still going through some. And at some point, at some point, you have to change it and figure out how it's best going to work. You know, do I have that answer? I don't. But if you don't talk about it, if you don't change the narrative, you're just going to have the same conversations over and over. And uh, it's going to take change. It takes change from all sides, Mm -hmm. no matter what your religion is or political views or what, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, everybody has a place. Everybody has a purpose. Yeah. And whether you believe in that or not, that's your choice. But that doesn't make them to be absolutely the wrong too. And yeah. it's changing that narrative to find that place that, that works. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned a little bit ago about backstory. When you got the backstory of that family and realized what they're going through, what that did is give you empathy, right? It, yep, it makes exactly. Us, oh, my gosh. I And maybe before then, it could have been possible to see someone, see how they're reacting, see how they're, you know, just look at them and make a judgment. And then when you get the backstory, you realize, oh man, I have been so wrong. And I, you know, even with some of the stuff going on here, taking the the humility and and honestly asking um, both sides, and I don't want to get into political stuff, but just recognizing, even just this giving someone the benefit of the doubt and not buying into, um, which is, is just really hard to do, but not buying into, okay, what does one side say? What does the other side say? But if you can say, well, what, you know, is there a potential that there's more to this than I'm, than I'm seeing, which, you know, is, is hard to do, but I'd really like that change the narrative of how can we, and even for Newberg and what I'm wanting to do here is, Hey, there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of really generous people. I mean, the hope of the generosity of our town is those are some core things of what, make Newburgh tick. And I think it's important to recognize that. It doesn't mean there's not going to be struggles that we're not going to have issues. Right. Change is um, inevitable. As yeah. If you're not willing to make some kind of a change or accept change to a certain standard, that doesn't mean you, you know, stealing a car, still stealing a car. You don't have to, <laughs> yeah. you don't have to accept that. I'm not saying that, but there there's, there's got to be resolved some of the things that create so much uh, separation. Mm-hmm. And until everybody wants to come together and try to figure out just where that is or how it'll be, you, I mean, you're never going to please everybody. It's That's the so-called truth. But you can't always talk about it the same way, too. You have to you know, 
keep retooling, I guess. I don't yeah. know. What, what would you say to, I mean, if you could say one thing to the, our community at large, what, what do you feel is important, important for people to know? I think for me, growing up here um, is just be, just be willing to take the time to figure out what really is, is the true bottom line to making Uber great. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are the things that are going on? I mean, it's, it's so easy to, to be pulled one way or another for whatever, by what you read or what it is, but spend some time figuring, you know, spend some time doing it yourself. Go, go ask the questions or whatever. And, and, you know, there's a lot of good in this community. There's a lot of great organizations, a lot of great people, um, you know, and there's a lot of them that have been sidelined because it's so overwhelmed with what's been going on that the, the good has been shadowed by the, hmm. the unfortunate uh, situation. Yeah. Well, Martin, I wanted to say thank you for everything that you do for our community, for being the example you are, even though you don't, that's not your intent to say, like I said, you don't want everyone looking at you, but, but people look at you. And I think that's, um, I think I'm inspired by you. And I know that's why I wanted to have this interview with you. Cause I want to be, I want to be like another Brian Love when I, when I, as I progress through my career and it's, um, you know, it gives, it gives me a lot of hope. It gives uh, a lot of people hope just to, to see what you do. And, uh, you know, at the same time, um, my encouragement to everyone listening would be find, find the thing that you're passionate about. It might be a family place. It might be somewhere else, but find something and run with it. And even if it's something small, it's, uh, it's worth it. And that's kind of what you found Yep, is that it's, it's worth it. Find your niche. Yeah. And fulfill it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brian, for your time. It was great talking with you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and I hope you're inspired by hearing Brian's story. If you enjoyed this episode, share it on social media or text it to a friend to help share all the good news happening in our town. Again, this podcast is sponsored by my real estate team, the Joyful Roberts Group. And if you reach out, I'd be happy to help you or anyone you know with the real estate needs. Well, thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.